Hi friends, I'm Kat and I'm the geriatric and palliative nurse. Hi friends, I'm Camille and I'm a stroke nurse slash epilepsy nurse. And welcome to Tea with the Tea Tass, the Chill, the chill Pod- Podcast. So guys, welcome back to the new episode of the Tea with the Tea Tass. We're going to tackle for today um, how to deal with difficult patients. So let's first hear out Kat, how is it dealing with difficult patients in her geriatric ward? Nice. Um, Well, a lot of the people I deal with are geriatrics. Yes, and most of them are um, going to palliative nursing. Um, I think it's very very special that we acknowledge what COVID has done to us, but then again, what COVID has done to them because um, they can't go out, they can't see their families, they have lesser interactions, they have lesser stimulations, and they're more difficult than how they were before pre-COVID. Um, so Kat, how is it going with your patients if they are having tantrums that's that's very yes. common for geriatric patients right yes in the dementia ward yes. um when especially get... with the patients that are not being visited by their relatives right yeah yes there are lots of that cases in dementia ward where they actually don't understand what's happening um advanced dementia ward and I don't know how how we are able to do this actually. Um, every once in a while, we see residents who are all out screaming, slashing, um, throwing out mattress. Mm-hmm. Um, in those really um, severe cases, we call the police. <laughs> oh, really? We've, we've we've tried that um couple times um just to get help um because we will file that as a threat yeah like when they do severe cases like that but that's actually um very rare because my my where i work is long term care facility so most of our um patients or we call them residents are actually stable um all the very violent or very aggressive residents are sent to psychiatric um, facility in the hospital and they usually don't send them back until they are more stable. So I don't really deal with acute cases or severe cases, but in, in times that we actually do um, encounter those cases, we call help from, from the police because we don't have the manpower to pin down um, people to the ground and give injections. And we actually have rare it's very rare for us to give injections um, to calm them down. Most of them get um, oral medications. Mm-hmm. And it is even rare to give oral medications because um, we try to um, settle them, listen to them. Most of the time that when they do get agitated or angry, it's because they don't understand what's happening or they can't say or they can't express themselves or that 
um, something ticked them off. Um, this is a special case with with us in the long-term care because my residents or my patients today would be the same resident or patient in a month time or three months down the road, right? So we try to build a connection to them, a really good rapport, like um, they are part of, or we are part of their family because they yes, see us yes. every day. So then we try to keep track on what they like, what they don't like, what ticks them off. Um, also, it's important, especially for the dementia ward, if mm -hmm. they're all wandering, if somebody gets agitated, uh, we try to, they have this domino effect. If somebody is agitated, they, they, they will feel it and they usually, um, it will spread around. They will usually absorb that and they will also be agitated. So if somebody is agitated, we try to remove all the other people from that room and settle that resident who is agitated before or um, letting that patient go with other residents because they, he or she will probably take them all off, right? Um, most of the time, it's um, not taking it personally. Any, any attack, or anything that any nastiness they do, um, we don't take it personally. I've been called a bitch a lot of times, almost every day in the dementia ward, yeah. <laughs> just because they, they want to say those words, right? Um, they can also be racist, but I think um, most of the time you just understand or try to understand what is actually the problem behind that nastiness or behind that behavior. And then, you'll see maybe it's just pain or maybe they just miss their um, grandchildren, their son, their daughter, which is very common in COVID times because we only have um, limited visitations and there are some protocols we have to go through and they don't really like, it doesn't feel like the pre-COVID times, right? They, they can hug or something like that. It's really hard to do that. And um, tactile stimulus like hug or kisses to them is very very important because those are the gestures that they understand right that you are yeah. you are not a threat you're a friend yeah you're a friend you're hugging me you're a friend they don't really have that capacity to understand so much of what's happening around them so that's true yes yes but are uh, most they of also the time, allowed to to um call their relatives Yes, they, we have um, phone, house phones. They have their own phones. Um, we do Skype calls. Um, those better. stuff are set up by their recreation staff. Um, yeah, th we try, but it's, it's different with um, physical um, presence of their family. We can't really fill that up for them, even though we're always there with them. Uh, it's different if they're looking for their family. Most of the time, like knowing what they like actually works. Like, I have a resident who wants, um, who actually settles down if he watches football. Oh gosh, it's mm. kind of the magic word. So sometimes you have magic words, sometimes they actually work, sometimes they don't. Um, we try to avoid giving chocolates, but if they, people, their family sends them some chocolates, of course, we do give them, but um, we try not to give them all at once because that will really agitate them. Or they'll be going to be excited, right, for the whole Yeah, they, they go really excited. 
Yep. Um, and there's this thing in dementia uh, that we call sundowning. So uh, yeah. they have a different behavior in the evenings because they're usually more tired. Um, they are more difficult to redirect. They're more difficult to um, talk to. And uh, they just go pacing and wandering. They, they have, they're tired, but they still have that energy to go around and um, be mad at stuff that they aren't supposed to be. So um, for those stuff, um, we just redirect, feed them, try to set them in bed. If it doesn't work, they have their behavior meditations, mm -hmm. um, which are all mostly oral. We rarely give injections. Um, and if we do, we do it uh, subcutaneously, not IV. Subcutaneous is uh, going in the fat layer of yeah. the skin or fat layer of the body. Um, yeah, uh, I think it is far different from acute that they give IV injections. They, yes. it, we rarely restrain residents. Most of them that has restraints, we don't really call them restraints. Um, are for safety like wheelchair seat belt mm -hmm. so that they don't fall over if they can undo it it's not literally called a restraint because they can undo it so that's the most that we do we have bedside rails but only two of them are up we never put four up unless there's a doctor's order which is very rare so um there's a huge difference in our in our wards right so how yeah. is it going in your ward um, in my ward is we are acute um, acute ward, so we deal with patients with strokes that have anticoagulants medications, mm -hmm. so that have hemorrhagic strokes, so they have bleeding in their brain, so that tends to be that needs to be um, um, acutely handled. I mean, so we need to give medications that are working faster, so that they will be less agitated. For example, we are we if we're going to deal with patients with hemorrhagic stroke, so they're more agitated, they're more they don't tend to understand their their environment. They just want to go home, they want to stand up if they're going, if they have they want to go to the toilet, they don't understand that they're not allowed to stand up, that they're not allowed to to walk alone. This they have a great risk to bleed more. So they don't understand that. So we tend to give um, medications um, IV, of course, with a doctor's order. So for example, they have um, perfusor. That's this what we call it in, in German. Um, for example, it's clonidine. It makes the blood pressure lower and it makes the patient also less agitated. So it really helps the patient without doing something that's very uh, that's very lethal to the patient and we also give medications for example to let the patient uh, to help the patient sleep for example baldrian sopiclone or seroquel medications but of course that's by bidarf as necessary um yeah so like that we also deal with patients with epilepsy or with dissociative epilepsy that they think that they have um, they have an epilepsy but they also don't have yeah we give placebos we have 
video monitoring in our in our rooms. Every rooms have a video monitoring. Oh wow, and, that's one thing we don't have. Yes, because we need that to avoid uh, more accidents to the patients. Because patients who are who are affected with their brains, they can't think rationally. So they tend yeah. to think um, by feelings, you know, if they need to go to the toilet, if they want to go home, so like that. And if the patient is also a demand patient, then it's more greater risk ahead of us. So that's the, that's the difficult one and that's the tricky one. So for patients who are allowed to stand up, who don't have need to to stay on the bed, um, we tend to walk with them with their rollator. That's that's what we call in German. We tend to walk with them uh, at the so home. walker. Yeah, like a walker. Oh, okay. So we tend, we tend to walk with them in the hallway. If we have uh, um, someone with us who are in their Ausbildung yard, so they're studying because here the nursing is not um is not a bachelor degree so that just an ausbildung for us here in germany so if they're do they're doing that and we have people like that then we tend to um send them with the patients and walk around the station or we have this also special um, special chairs, like we call that Korea stool for the patient who are demand. If you're going to put the patient in this Korea stool, they cannot stand up anymore. They could be they could be awake, but they cannot stand up. We don't restrain them, but we they're just just sitting there, but they cannot stand up because of the of the placement of the chair. Oh, it's a form of restraint then. Yeah, yeah, it's a form of restraint, but they're not really restrained. Yes, they, they can still move, they just can't stand up. Move. Yes, but they cannot oh, stand okay. up because they're they're a little bit weak, you know, or they have an parese, so they have weakness in their, maybe half of their body. That's the likes that we handle in our, in our station. So, that's so what the, happens? Yeah. What happens if somebody is like able to get out of bed and you see them standing? What do you do? If they're allowed to stand, then we're going to put them in the Korea stool. If we have time, if we have the manpower, yeah, the manpower, mm -hmm. then we're going to just um, let the patient walk alone and we're going to be with them just to see if they could really do it alone or not we're going to let them do what they want if it's not harming the patient for example if they want to go mm -hmm. to the toilet alone then we'll let them do that but with us with our supervision i see that's that's actually a lot of work if people yes. don't understand that supervision is actually yeah. very um time costly it yeah. eats and, a lot and, of and, time because you would be on your patient's Yes, and uh, in my station, we have, they are monitored every hour. Mm -hmm. So it's like an ICU setup. I so see. they have every, every cables, ECG, the fingertips for the, uh, for the saturation, 
and oh, we have the IVs, we have mm -hmm. the NGTs, we have. So what happens? Yeah. If um, so what happens if they the patient stood up, but he's not allowed to get out of bed? We're going to ask help? the patient for oh, okay. twenty four hours if if the medication didn't help. We're going to restrain the patient for 24 hours because the doctor is allowed to restrain the patient without the consent of the relatives for 24 hours. Then after that, I see. Just we're just doing that actually in in the night because we're not we cannot also call the relatives during those times. And in the morning, the doctor in charge will going to call the relatives. And they're going to call the um, the lawyer if we if we really we really need to to restrain the patient. The lawyer will go to the hospital and see how is the situation. If there there is really a need to restrain the patient, and the lawyer will going Those to talk with us. Part. Mm, that's that's the case. Do you usually do it? Do you have lots of cases like that? Um, it's actually no, we don't have. We don't have a lot of patients like that. Very rare. Yeah, it's it's rare, but we do have sometimes. And we, it happens. It happens. Yeah, it happens. It happens. For example, patients who have encephalitis, they don't know what they're doing. And patients who are have um, hemorrhagic hemorrhagic stroke. Mm -hmm. Yes. So it's it's with benefit versus risk. I, I guess we always do it like that. Let's see yes. how it would benefit um, more than what we're risking. So overall, I think when when you deal with difficult difficult patients or residents, um, we first look into ourselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> to calm ourselves down, because you if you get agitated too, oh, I'll break yes. loose. Yes, it's it's very hard because. Is there are patients who are not allowed to do something. You know yeah. what I mean? So yes, and they don't understand that. Yes, exactly. So there are patients who cannot swallow and who are with dementia and they have a nasogastric tube and they're always just always always stay uh, stand up and uprising. They take everything away from their body yes. like like in infusions, like the cables, like the NGTs, and that's that's very hard for us to deal with. Yes. It's very and hard. I thought I would only see that in movies. Yeah, we <laughs> also have patients with for dialysis, central vein catheter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's 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 the difficult difficult ones <laughs> because it will really bleeds here. Yes, it will bleed if they pull it out. Oh, yeah. that's going to be difficult. Yeah, so what are we going to say for um, for our listeners, Kat? Do you have something um, to say before we wrap up? I think um, for those who are non-nursing, it is difficult in our world. And you probably know that because it's emphasized in COVID. But also, it has its fun. Um, and a lot of the things that we do is understanding um, the, the patient, um, yeah. setting boundaries, 
also um, trying to be grounded ourselves, so, which is one of the challenges in this kind of very in this very special situation, right? Yes. Um, I'm just going to add what um, about what Kat said. If you handle patients with um, with those kinds, that is very difficult to handle, or they don't understand things um, going what's going on in their environment. It's very important to before you do something or give something, always ask the doctor and what's right or wrong. Always ask your colleagues if it's. If you're not familiar with your with your environment with your ward, then it's it's very important to ask them if what uh, how they deal with those kinds of situations. Okay, so not that you make a mistake and then you're going to regret it afterwards. So yes. just that absolutely and support is always always needed in difficult situations. The yes. the the better it would be handled if. You're not by yourself, right? Because it's yes. usually not just one person settling a very agitated or a very difficult. Always have um, a, a backup. Patient. Yes, we always need to have a backup. It's I think in our yeah in our world it's always more of a teamwork than just you yourself. Exactly. So guys, um, we're going to wrap up. Thank you for listening to our episode today. And um, we wish you a good night. Thank you. <laughs> and a good morning here. <laughs> good morning, yeah, and good morning there. Thank you, guys. Bye. Till next time.